Welcome back to another episode of the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Your host, Dustin Lunt here. Along with me, my co-host, my partner in crime, Jacob Trowbridge. Jake, how are you doing this evening? Uh, that sounded a lot cooler in my head when I did that. Uh, I'm, I'm fantastic. Uh, that aside, I'm doing very well. How about you, Dustin? I am great. We are coming up here on a long weekend. I know, okay. For people that are working right now that are essential employees or have gone back to work, we're coming up on a long weekend here So, uh, with the Memorial Day. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, even though I probably won't do a whole lot, it doesn't matter. And you, you non-workers currently, you laid-off folk, you quarantined, self-isolated from work people, uh, just enjoy that mm-hmm. other people will be happy. Yes, okay? enjoy your enjoy, enjoy the time of your loved ones on that extra day off. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we've got uh, another great episode this evening. We're going to do a little dynasty talk. This is going to be a little bit more free flowing than normal, uh, but it's more theoretical. Yes, than our typical episode. Yeah, we're we're going to talk all things dynasty. I know we traditionally seem to be a little bit more. Uh, redraft focused but uh now is the time where if you want to be doing a dynasty startup draft or maybe picking up an orphan uh this this is the time to do it and so that's why we're doing this episode because uh, tis the season and how and how and if if you're like me where it took you quite a bit to get uh your feet into the dynasty pool I wish that I had had a resource exactly like this to guide me through some of the things. That's right. And whatnots. Uh, so hopefully we will be that for you here. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But first thing is first. We got to get what we're drinking out of the way here. Oh, yeah. What you drinking? What's in your cup? So I have got uh, Blondale. This is called Sweet Sunglasses. It's got a little uh, pink flamingo on there. The... Uh, unofficial state bird of Madison. Uh, this is from Hop House Brewing out of Verona, Wisconsin, a little suburb of Madison. Clocks in at a tasty 5.3%. Very good yep. summer beer. Great minds think alike. Uh, my fiance went to the liquor store. This was a couple of weeks back, but just brought back a haul of beers. Uh, and, and that was one of them. And I will say, to this point, it's one of my favorites because it's so... Uh, so effing crushable. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, very tasty. Great summer I'm, beer. I'm switching it up a little bit here today. I'm going a, a vodka drink. I made myself a vodka drink. Are um, you part of Chumbawamba? I am tub thumping my way through all the beverages. <laughs> Maybe next week will be a cider drink. I don't know. Uh, but have you ever had Deep Eddie? Have you heard of Deep Eddie, Dustin? I have no. not. No. Okay, so th- these are flavored vodkas. All right. Out of Austin, Texas, that are they're 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 punchy. They've got a lot of punch to them. Okay. So uh, the, the missus also brought back in that hole from the liquor store a couple of right. So she brought back a lemonade flavor and a grapefruit flavor. So you know what I'm doing? You're mixing ask, them ask both. What I'm doing. Ask me. What are you doing? Uh, I mix those shits together. Nice. I made a lemonade grapefruit vodka drink. Nice. Uh, I'm very excited about it because it's. It's as close to summer as I've felt 
here in quite a while. It's been off and on rainy and shit, mm-hmm. and now it's sunshiny outside. So I want this. I need this. Nice. Is it is it as tasty as it sounds? Oh, it's so glorious. I don't know if you're a grapefruit person. I'm not, especially. But uh, when it's mixed along with the lemon and the, the vodka potency, I'll, I'll do it's it. All day long. Nice. Yeah, but I do have a hoppy blonde ale as a little bit of a, a, a back option uh, to keep waiting in the wings here. Fair enough. Yep. All right. So before we get into the, the meat of our episode here, the heart of it, uh, we should do our drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 trade of the week. So what do we got this week, Jake? I got a, I got a fun one this week. I went out searching for drunk trades, and we're going to do a little bit of a history lesson here today. So at Future of Fantasy, one said back in June of 2019, this is when this was posted to Twitter. So about a year ago. About a year ago, uh, almost exactly a year ago, in fact. So this is for a 12-team super flex league, six point per touchdown. Mm-hmm. Says it was a drunk trade. It was Russell Wilson versus Josh Allen and a 2021. Now, doesn't specify which side of the trade that he fell on. Mm-hmm. He did insert this as a trade poll. Interesting. So before I tell you what the trade poll results were, Dustin, I'm curious to just get your initial thoughts on this. Oof. Um, super flex. And it does say six point for touchdowns, which doesn't, I'm sorry, unless it's uh, um, Patrick Mahomes that doesn't really do a whole lot for me, unless you're throwing that many more touchdowns than everyone else. So, Well, keep in mind, Josh Allen. Right. Uh, with the rushing touchdowns, you know, as opposed to the passing touchdowns, I guess that helps even things out just a little bit for Russell's side, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I think I would probably take the Josh Allen side. Oh. Um, just knowing it's super flex. Josh Allen's very young. Uh, he, he's shown a tremendous upside. Like you said, he's got the rushing. He's got the passing. Uh, and I know this is last year. But we, we liked the upgrades last offseason with the wide receivers. And then on top of it, you're getting a 2020 first. Uh, I know that it doesn't say where that landed for this year, obviously. But with this deep class that we've got, um, stocking up on first-round picks is great. And it's not like Josh Allen is a bad starter. I mean, he was, what, quarterback like seven last year, if I'm Finished the year? Yeah, he finished quarterback six, six in 2019. So, I mean, that's not that bad. And it's not like Russell Wilson was the number one QB. He was not, but he was the number three. But when you just look at the actual point differential, not crazy, but, you know, a gap. Russell mm-hmm. finished with 328, Josh Allen with 288. So, yes, there's a gap, but you're right. Uh, not not crazy far off and you get that nice first mm-hmm. uh, i might lean teensy bit still to russell wilson's side just for the proven commodity aspect of it i tend to be a little bit safer when i think of those um and twitter just barely agreed with me they chose russell wilson 53 percent 
as opposed to the 47% for Josh Allen in the 2021st. I'd be curious, though, if you posted this exact trade poll today, Mm -hmm. what people would say. I think, you know, transpose that 2021st to a 2021st. And uh, and I'll be curious. And in fact, we may just find out. I think I'm going to post this directly to uh, our podcast Twitter and yes. see what the folks think. I like that. I like that you chose Russell Wilson because you love the talent. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> Every time that I fall on the side of Russell Wilson, it oh. does make me cringe, but not nearly as much as I cringe when you say that. I know. And that's why I do it. But overall, though, I, I, I wouldn't hate the trade either way. I mean, it, obviously, Twitter thought it was a fairly close trade. You, yeah. I, I mean, it's not like I'm overwhelmingly on the Josh Allen side. Like, I would take Russell Wilson in that. I guess it just depends what your feelings are about Josh Allen moving forward and how you feel about Russell Wilson moving forward. That's right. Yeah. This was before any trade rumors even uh, sprouted up for Russell Wilson. Which I, I don't really believe. I don't no. really hang my hat on those rumors. No, me either. But yeah, this is a reasonable drunk trade. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything outlandish about this whatsoever. No. This was, you know, maybe a handful of natty ices. Ooh, ooh a handful. Whatever yeah. you can grab. That's right. You know, like when you get dunked into a tank and you just have to grab as much as you can and then mm-hmm. pull you out. That kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Not that bad. You right. might say that about uh, the rest of this episode. Not that bad. Well, I hope they say that was terrific. Oh, I mean, sure. Of course, that's what I hope. But but realistically, I think a not that bad is, is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get to it. Yeah. So we're going to do all things Dynasty here. So why don't we start off with some roster construction discussion here? Um, so Jake, why don't you tell me how you like to build your team? Yeah, well, just in I, general, we're not, we're not yeah. talking necessarily a startup versus orphan just in general. What, how do you like your team to be, um, composed when I'm looking at a dynasty roster? So just from broad strokes purposes here, and we're talking roster construction and the big thing that I look for is balance. Um, now that means something different when I'm in the early off season, as opposed to when I'm in season, um, you know, the balance in the off season is more about who can I, can I get enough? I want high upside guys, but I also need guys with a safe floor to counterbalance that. I, I want youth, uh, but I'm also more than happy to take some of those discounted veterans that people are more willing to throw away. Uh, so I, I want to keep all of those things balanced. I don't want to lean too heavy on on veterans because then I'm uh, in a couple years' time, I could be in trouble there. But I also don't want to lean entirely on youth, which I've seen a lot of teams do, um, because there's so much unproven there. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but I'm not so much for the 100% rebuild. I've never been that way for Dynasty. I know a lot of people do that and like to do that. I always like to be on the cusp of contending. And some people will say, well, that's how you finish, you know, perpetually fourth place. But I do not believe that. And that has not been my experience. (laughs) So uh, when I'm constructing, it's all about balance for me. Um, 
what is your big focal point when you're constructing a dynasty roster? You know, when I went into dynasty and started started getting into dynasty because I was redraft forever and a day and, you know, the last few years got into dynasty here, I really didn't have a strategy going into it. Um, but I have found that I tend to go wide receiver heavy and then fill in with running backs. And, and what I'll do is I'll usually take those discounted running backs and, and hope that they pop off and, and have a good season. So I'll take my shot. So like last year, I, I took my shot on Kenny and Drake. I was all in. I, I liked the situation. I thought he was, thought he was going to do really well. Uh, I did not think he was going to get traded, obviously, um, but it worked out really well. I was able to get him for late seconds in, in a lot of leagues uh, that I'm in, and it worked out really well. So I usually try to just piecemeal the running back position just because that is such a volatile position and you see more injury there where I don't like to invest in that high capital uh, players, your CMCs, your your Barclays, um, and I, I like to load up on wide receivers and I usually have a plethora uh, of wide receivers and we'll usually trade off those to get some of those running back pieces I need, uh, for quarterback really, uh, especially in a, just a regular PPR league. Um, if, if I can get a mid range QB one, that's going to give me consistency week to week, that's all I really need. I mean, I would love to have the Lamars or the the Mahomes of the world to give me that little extra edge. But, you know, aside from those top two or maybe top three quarterbacks, uh, they're all fairly close within range consistency-wise with each other, or I should say point total. Uh, so I don't necessarily, you know, go out of my way to get uh, one of the stud quarterbacks. Um and then tight end, I just, if it's not tight end premium, I don't necessarily, I go for the young upside quarter or uh, tight ends. I don't necessarily pay for the, the proven commodity. I have a lot of Ian Thomas's Blake Jarwin's uh, on my teams right now because I picked them up on the cheap and I'm hoping that they break out here for the future. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that about tight ends. Cause when I'm looking at non tight end premium leagues, I'm okay then trying to go after the top two or three guys. If, as long as you have a firm grasp of who those guys are, Travis Kelsey, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be great. And people can mm-hmm. say, you know, he's, he's 30 plus now and he's going to decline. You know, that's not going to be true for at least a couple of years. Right. I'm fine paying up for those guys at that position. Um, depending on your roster and bench size, mm-hmm. Right. So benches play a really huge part mm-hmm. in how you construct your dynasty roster because obviously the larger bench that you have, the more upside guys that I'm willing to stash, um, the more handcuffs that I'm, I'm willing to roster, and that changes everything about how I look at each position. So tight end in that situation, if you've got a 30-guy roster that you're allowed to have, I'm more than happy to just take a bunch of shots at tight ends that I think might might hit. Um, and and hopefully one of them does early, and you don't have to play the roulette game with it. Mm-hmm. But even if you do, once you get past those first three guys, maybe five guys at max at tight end, well, 
then you compared to whoever you're playing, it's very unlikely to be a substantial difference at that position. So it's almost like get your guys, but don't spend too much time worrying mm-hmm. about that. Um, and then, yeah, running backs, I don't know. I, I love that you said you load up on wide receivers because that's been my strategy a lot this year. And I've tended to, especially early in the offseason, I'm going to get the stud wide receivers, the consistent wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And then as the season gets closer, then I'll turn my focus to running backs because there's so much that changes, not even just with the NFL draft, but with trades, with uh, injuries, with all of that. And it's so, it's so fragile. That ecosystem of running back mm-hmm. is super fragile. I looked at a stat where it was like how many running backs that finish inside the top 12 one year finish inside the top 12 the following year and if you look back to 2014 since then only 30 percent do it's just it's super volatile like you said Mm -hmm. so why especially early on why go super heavy at the stud running back uh when you don't really know who the studs are gonna be you have a good idea probably Mm -hmm. but uh yeah so and quarterback Man, I just go cheap. I'm so cheap with quarterbacks. Even in Superflex, I'm super cheap with quarterbacks typically. I, outside, again, like outside the top 12, if you looked at the year-end finishes and you go, oh, well, Matt Ryan finished quarterback 11 last year, and uh, Phillip Rivers finished quarterback 18. So it seems like a really large golf. Mm-hmm. It's not. <laughs> it's less than 30 points that separates them. Uh, at the end of the year, and yeah, you obviously want the extra 30 points, but it's not going to kill you. And the price difference was so huge with those guys that sometimes just going with the cheap, cheap but reliable option mm-hmm. it feels better. Well, you get much better value, especially in a startup, because uh, those guys tend to fall a little bit because they're not sexy. Well, not sexy names, let's put it that way. They very well could be sexy gentlemen. Um and and you know, Rivers absolutely is. He has yeah. like a dozen kids to prove it. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but they tend to be older quarterbacks, so they slide in drafts. So why not take a more proven commodity, and then you can always restock in your rookie drafts or trade for an upcoming guy. But typically I like to try to attack my drafts, and I know we'll get into this a little bit more later, but uh, try to grab the quarterbacks and running backs in the rookie drafts and I build around the wide receivers. I like it. Are you a handcuff guy in general? Do you like to worry about handcuffs at any position? As a rule of thumb, no. Um, I typically don't. If it happens or maybe someone offers me the handcuff in a trade and the value works out, then sure, I'll do it. But as a rule of thumb, I don't. I, I tried it a little bit last season with the 49ers backfield where I had Burita and Coleman, and that just didn't work out at all. (laughs) No, no. and if you wanted to do that this year, if you're looking at Raheem Mostert's season, but maybe I'll also keep, uh, you know, Jarek McKinnon, Mm -hmm. and just don't do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, typically no. Do you handcuff your running backs? Uh, Only, again, it's bench size dependent, but only if it's Mm -hmm. really the top-tier guys that you know 
this player is 100% the handcuff, and when the other guy goes down, or if the other guy goes down, he is walking into that same kind of workload. Right. Not not a situation where, well, if, if he goes down, if the lead guy goes down, then a couple of these guys are going to have to come in and try and split it up. Like, you have to know that they're, they're a stud that can handle the workload, mm-hmm. and then I'm okay with it. Like, Tony Pollard for Zeke Elliott is a good example of when I would have that handcuff ready. If I have Zeke, I want Tony Pollard stashed on my on my bench because one, uh, Zeke's gotten a lot of touches in the NFL, so those high-touch guys have a, a higher shot of being injured. And two, he could have some fantasy relevance even with Zeke healthy, so then I'm okay doing that. Um, I want to ask you about types of players that you like to stash so even if so if it's not a handcuff if you don't like to handcuff mm-hmm. your guy but that end of the roster end of the bench like well i've got three or four spaces i know they're very unlikely to be used this season but i want to bring these guys on just in case is there a specific type of guy you go after for that i will typically i like to try to focus on maybe players that were injured in their rookie season or maybe in their second year young guys that maybe had a lot of hype going into their rookie year, but it got derailed for some reason. And then um, may get them at a discount, hopefully, and and be able to stash them at the end of my bench, see what happens. Like I said, if, if I'm lucky, they'll, they'll pop off a little bit. And even if I'm not planning on holding on to them long term, you know, at least then at that point, if I traded for him low, uh, I'll get good return on it and and kind of make a quote unquote profit off the uh, the trade. So, uh, one of the guys I'm looking at going after this off season in particular is uh, Nikhil Harry. Uh, he did he didn't do a whole lot last year. I think people are down on him, especially with this incoming rookie class, and just the fact that nobody expects the Patriots' offense to do anything. And I know Edelman's still there, but how much longer is he going to be there? Maybe this is his last year. Maybe one more after this. Maybe. I mean, he's, what, 35 now? So, yeah, you know, he's he's not long for the league. Uh, so that's going to be one of my specific, like, offseason targets for Dynasty this year. Uh, try to get him on the cheap, even if it's for, uh, you know, uh, early second for next year's draft. Uh, he was the 101 in a lot of people's eyes last year. So uh, if I can get him, you know, for a round discount, that's what I'm going to try to do. Yeah, that's great. That's what I mean. With and this kind of transitions to what we're we're going to be talking about here, but like for drafting, even that's always been my philosophy. Is I typically don't draft rookie wide receivers very high because there's such a good chance that the next year you're going to be able to get them lower than where they were drafted Mm -hmm. initially. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that I like to do with stashes, uh, with the kind of random waiver wire pickups, is I want to take a guy who has a good path, not even to production necessarily, but a good path to hype. So, like, find the guys that are are likely throughout the offseason or first few weeks of the season to – to find themselves in a situation where they will get hyped. So a good example for this 
this offseason, in my view, is Corey Clement. He was signed back with the Eagles on a one-year deal. The guy there right now is Miles Sanders. They've discussed bringing in some other veterans, but they haven't pulled the trigger yet. Mm -hmm. If they don't, before the season starts, all of a sudden, word is going to come out from Doug Peterson. We really want to get Corey involved. He knows the system well. We want him to balance off Miles Sanders. At that time, I don't believe that Corey Clement is going to be super relevant for fantasy, but I do believe that people will get that news and then want to pay for him. Mm -hmm. So I'll pick up a guy like that for a month, and then if that news breaks, I'll be looking to ship him off. All right, very nice. So how do you, Jake, um, attack a startup draft? What's What's your general startup strategy? I am really bad (laughs) (laughs) i'm just gonna put it all out there um it depends on what time of the year the 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 startup occurs you know if it's super Mm -hmm. early well before the rookie draft takes place and all that i just look it's it's a little bit of a crapshoot but i like you would like to focus on wide receivers on a startup um because the longevity is going to be there Mm -hmm. typically uh, for a lot longer than a running back, uh, even longer than tight ends typically. So I like to go lean wide receiver heavy and then let the value fall. I don't focus on position really after that. I want to get a good uh, roster of wide receivers, but otherwise it's just plain value. Wherever mm-hmm. you perceive value to be, um, and again, it's all dependent on the league settings, but if you're in a super flex and you're worried because there's a run on the quarterback position and you're staring at, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota and guys like that sitting there and you're like, well, I got to get somebody because they're all going. Just don't. Just, mm-hmm. you know, let it, let it happen. Let the runs happen because trades are going to come around and let you fix all of your positions. So I just try and nail that into my head. It doesn't always work. In fact, it almost never works, but I try to, going into the draft, go, just let value be the only dictator here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a specific methodology when you're on the clock or even before you're on the clock? Yeah, I, I try to do the same thing. Uh, after the first maybe two or three rounds, I mean, those guys are pretty much your studs, so uh, it's pretty easy. You know, that's like shooting fish in a barrel. You just close your eyes and pick one you're probably going to be okay uh right. yeah after that i like the draft for value i don't really look at position a ton obviously i want to make sure i have you know a decent starter in each position like i'm not going to punt a quarterback and then take the 30th quarterback off the board because i waited that long uh you know i want i want decent starters but i don't i don't reach for them uh because my view is in the off season here where we're now and you're doing a startup, you're, you're not setting lineups right now. There's no reason to have the perfect lineup quotes using air quotes there uh, because you have the whole rest of the off season to make trades. Yeah. Everybody's drafting their guys uh, during the draft, but you know, as soon as the draft is done, people are going to want to trade because we love to trade. Uh, so I, I, so yeah, I try to, I like you, I try to get the best value I can, uh, and, and worry about setting my starting lineup later. 
That's funny. See, I don't even really care about having a starter at every position. Like, honestly, if I came out of a draft and I just did not have a tight end or what you would consider to be a starting tight end, mm-hmm. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> I mean, and same with quarterback, really. Like, I, there's almost no position that I would feel super bad not having a starter locked in, except for wide receiver or whatever. Like, because there's so many options. If you came out of a startup draft without a starting quality wide receiver, there's very likely a problem mm-hmm. with how you drafted because of how many options there are. Um, but other than that, it's just like, like you said, you're not setting your lineup in June. You know, it's fine. Re- relax. Let the trades happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody wants to trade. Or every, hey, every active and every good dynasty owner wants to trade. That's Some right. people are a little bit less of that, but. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing, though, about your comment about you don't care about your tight end or quarterback necessarily coming out of the draft. I will say that could put you at a little bit of disadvantage when you're trying to trade for that later because the teams know that that you're in need of, say, a tight end because you don't really have a viable starter. They can kind of rake you over the coals a little bit as and, and ask for more. Uh, so you may have to overpay a little bit. But it, but you if may. if that is your uh, your flavor, then by all means go for it. I'm not going to hold that against you because the great thing about Dynasty is you do what you want. It's your team, you know. So it's uh, I I don't personally go for that. That's not my my way of doing things. But yeah, if if that floats your boat, go float it. You do have to be patient. If you use that method, you have to be because, like you said, people will surely try and take advantage mm-hmm. of that. So you have to make sure that you're not stressing yourself later on in the off season. Although, okay, I, I got to fill it now. I'm just going to take whatever offer comes my way. Mm-hmm. You definitely have to be patient. Yep. Okay. Do you have anything else? Or, or I should say, we can talk about orphans. We well, not 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 the ones you actually go like Annie in in the musical and get the little orphan children. We're talking about orphan. NFL dynasty teams. They won't let me do that anymore. No, well, the wrong <laughs> podcast, wrong podcast. Or the only thing I do want to say about uh, orphan teams. So for the uninitiated, an orphan team is when somebody in the league has left, uh, typically abruptly. Maybe they've been kicked out of the league. Maybe they just decided that they don't want to be in that particular league anymore, and they leave their team up for grabs. They have to get it filled by some new blood. So if you're the new blood coming in to, to overtake that orphan team, uh, the first thing that I do is I look at the guys that I do not like on that team, but that the general population seems to. So if there's a guy in there that has, uh, for whatever reason, a lot of Twitter buzz or a higher ADP than I can fathom, those are the first guys that I say, they're on the trade block. Because the great thing about being new to a league when it's an established league is that people want to trade with you. Oh, yeah. They smell chum in the water. They're, right? They are coming after you. So it's almost nice to get a leg up and tell them, like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. These, these are the guys that I'm looking to move. You can tell them what you want to move them for or not. You can wait for the offers to come in then. Uh, and it's also nice because you typically have a lot of offers for the similar – types of guys that 
you know, you're like the prettiest girl at the ball. You, you've got all these options now all of a sudden because you're new and, and people want to test you out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I do when I'm running an orphan team. Um, and it's having an orphan team is maybe one of the most fun processes in fantasy football. Would you agree with that? It is. And that's actually how I started dynasty. I didn't do a startup to begin with. I just jumped right in and picked up an orphan team. Uh, and it's worked out well. I mean, it's it's probably my favorite league to date, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun to just um, decide what pieces you want to get rid of and rebuild it, and and the challenge of taking a quote unquote shitty team and and building it up to a champion that I feel like has a bigger sense of accomplishment than doing a startup and winning maybe your startup league in the first year. Uh, for whatever reason, that just taking an orphan and, and rebuilding it uh, to the top of the heap uh, is just a greater sense of accomplishment for me. Well, and that's the thing. Rarely are orphan teams high-quality teams. It happens occasionally where somebody who, you know, hell, maybe they won last year and they're just bouncing for whatever reason, personal mm-hmm. matters or something, whatever. And maybe you do inherit a really great team. But that almost never happens. Almost so. never. Yeah, yeah, I will. That is super fun. Yeah, I will say, you know, for those of you that are considering picking up an orphan team this off season, uh, be sure you do your homework. Uh, I will say I did not when I jumped into this, uh, but it's worked out well. Make sure you're checking what the league settings are. Um, you know, try to find out a little bit maybe about your commissioner, some of your league mates. Why did the other team leave? You know, was there a disagreement? Um, was it, you know, like collusion in a trade? So that person got booted. Uh, just do a little research before you just randomly jump into a, a league, unless you know a guy or two or gal in, in the league itself and they're inviting you in. That's a little bit different. But if you're just going cold turkey, uh, do a little research first. It'll save you some headaches in the long run, potentially. Great call. The one orphan that I picked up uh, about a year ago, it had points per carry for running backs, which I did not know going into that. And so all these people are focused on the, you know, Carlos Hyde's of the world who are going to, you know, get run into the ground, but not very exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Other perspectives. And yeah, uh, sometimes you overlook that stuff. That's right. Okay. Should we talk, uh, some uh, trade strategies a little bit? Yes, let's do it. So how I like to approach trades is I like to look, I, I like to ID the position that I'm looking to upgrade, whether it's running back, wide receiver, etc. And then I look at the position that I am flush with and, and willing to get rid of. And I try to find a trade partner that is looking for my, my extra piece. So say I'm in the market for a running back and I have all my wide receivers, I'll look for a team that's a little light and wide receiver that has a running back I want and and try to make it mutually beneficial for both teams. I don't necessarily like to try to, you know, rake guys over the coals or or try to win the trade every time because that's just not good for anyone. I don't – the worst thing is being known as that guy that offers shitty trades over and over and over again or is impossible to work with because you ask for the world. Uh, So I like to try to make it as fair as possible and not offer the person uh, a player that 
He's either total garbage on my team, so it will probably be garbage on your team as well, or is a position that they already have a bunch of players of and and don't need that. What about you? Yeah, I, uh, you know, typically I like to consider myself a good trade partner. I do try my best to look at their team and understand what their team needs are. But again, that is dependent on what time of the year it is that I'm trading with them. If I'm trading with them, uh, you know, a month ago, it doesn't really matter what your positions look like. Again, going back to that, you don't need to have starters at this point. Mm-hmm. Then, then my trades will be a little bit more flexible and, and a little bit less roster dependent on that. You know, it's just you kind of read the tea leaves and what kind of players do they seem interested in? Are they a homer for this team? Uh, you know, have they expressed interest in the past for these kind of guys? And then I'll attack it that way. Um, I, <laughs> but I have offered bad trades. I'll say that. Well, we all when, have. Let's be honest here. Nobody's perfect. We've had guests on this show that have affirmed that I have offered bad <laughs> trades because I've offered them to them. I can vouch um, for it. <laughs> but, but I can try and always counterbalance that. Um, and sometimes I will offer a trade that I know I am quote unquote losing because one, I firmly believe in that player or players that I'm getting and I don't care what I had to pay for them. And two, it's good juju moving forward. Mm -hmm. You know, putting a trade out there like that, you got to make sure you're not doing it ridiculously. Otherwise you're going to end up on one of our drunk trade segments, obviously. Very true. But if you're doing it, you know, and you're getting your guy and maybe you do overpay, that does send a signal to the rest of the league that you're flexible and you're not going to be locked into just getting uh, mm-hmm. your way. You know, you're willing to, to cave the other direction. We've had, there is a person in, in one of our leagues that we were in together, a dynasty league, who told me flat out they have to win the trade and otherwise they're not going to make that trade. And there is not a quicker way to turn off a trade partner mm-hmm. than to tell them to their face or, you know, over messaging that I need to make you and your team worse. It's like, well, you're never going to get a trade offer from me ever mm-hmm. again. Um, Absolutely. So be willing to, uh, you know, not just make fair trades, but sometimes make a trade that that you're, again, quote-unquote losing. But well, and, if, and if it's a guy you believe in, go get him. If you have to overpay to get your guy, if you believe in him that much or it's going to make – your team that much more enjoyable to root for on, on football Sunday, then do it. You know, that that's part of the fun of it. You overpaid for Aaron Jones two years ago by what the standards were, by what the ADP looked like. You overpaid for him two years ago. You probably got, you know, laughed out of your league and now you're sitting pretty and, and mm-hmm. loving life. Uh, or at least up to this point you have been, maybe you have different uh, concerns now, but, but yeah, it's just go get your guys. Do you do a lot of – so it's easy to make one-for-one trades positionally sometimes, you know, running back for wide receiver, quarterback for this need, mm-hmm. whatever. Do you do a lot of volume trades? Like, I'm going to offer you three guys because I feel like your team needs depth to go get one elite guy. Do you think about that at all? Um, I haven't really done, like, a three-for-one type trade. I've done, like – a multiplayer on each side where it's like three and three uh, just to kind of make the values work out for, for each side. Uh, a couple years ago I did, I pulled a trade 
was this last? It might have been last off season, um, where I pulled a trade, and the two main pieces was CMC and Michael Thomas. But there was a, there was a couple ancillary pieces on each side to, like I said, make that balance out to make the trade work, and that was a great one. I mean, the guy and I went back and forth multiple times, like we wanted to make it work, and we did, and it, you know, we both walked away with it feeling like, hey, this is great. Um, but I don't necessarily do a you know three for one or a two for one i personally don't like to be the person getting the 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 multiple players uh Mm -hmm. typically because then you have to drop players on your roster uh if if, you know most of the time you have a full roster uh, without any openings so to take on those extra guys you're gonna have to drop players so really you're you're still getting rid of the same amount of players as you are receiving in most cases uh, and yep. I don't typically like to do that. If anything, I'd like to get rid of some of those extra players that maybe aren't going to be super beneficial for my team, but could help the you know team I'm trading with. Yeah, and I'm still learning that a little bit with certain trade partners. Is you know I may look at their team and say, "Well, you have some easy drop candidates here. Let me give you these other guys who I perceive to be better than the guys that I think you would drop." Mm-hmm. And I'll get, you know, my one guy that I really want, you'll get the depth, etc. No one views their team the way that you view their team. Everybody views their own way differently. Mm-hmm. We all hold on to our players. We drafted them for a specific reason. We picked them up off the waivers for a specific reason. We traded for them for a specific reason. So uh, it, you can't just look at their team and say, oh, why? Why won't you accept my three for one? You know, those guys are easily, they fall right off of your, of your roster. Oh, yeah, the, the trade calculator says the value spot on. Well, it's like, yeah, but those other two guys aren't going to do anything for me. You oh, know, so it's like. about trade calculators here. But, but really quick, just to finish that one thought is like, if I do, if I'm lucky enough to be on the receiving end of I get one player and they want three of my players. It is super crucial, especially for new people who are new to Dynasty, haven't done a lot of trades. You do have to consider the fact that that opens up two new roster spots, mm-hmm. and you can now go waiver wire hunting and try and find some of those gems. So it's not – there is a benefit to that loss. Mm-hmm. So you have to th- if, you're, if you get that, then be grateful almost of it in certain situations. Mm-hmm. But yep. trade calculators – we really have to talk about those. Can I can I just add one point in here as when you were when you're building trades before we get on the whole trade calculator discussion because that could be a three day uh, discussion in of in of itself. Um, I always like to tell people don't hesitate to throw a fourth round pick, a third round pick uh, for your rookie upcoming rookie draft in on a deal to get the deal done. Don't be afraid to give that little extra just to get the deal done because sometimes that's all it takes. And the hit rate on third and especially fourth round picks is not very good. So chances are those guys are going to sit on your roster for two or three years, and then you're going to dump them anyway. So why not, if that's going to make the trade happen, I have no problem getting rid of those. And on vice versa, when I'm offering a trade or, or we're trying to make it work, I'll be like, Hey, if you want to throw in a fourth round pick or a third round pick, you know, I, I'll, I'll accept this. And usually that's enough to get the job done too. So uh, use your draft picks uh, strategically as well. 
and especially as you get closer to the draft itself, mm-hmm. those things, they only increase in value. So, yeah, if you're a week out from the draft, absolutely toss those on, or especially if you're during the draft. But, yeah, those have – because people have their guys that they want for rookies especially. So if they think, oh, there's a third-round value that I really want that he doesn't, you know, isn't smart enough to know about or whatever – uh, that can really sway a trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, in my one league, I was able to, through obviously trading, uh, acquire like, and I had four fourth round picks for this year's draft. And at, at one point, you know, end of the season, and I've man- managed to trade some of those picks away and package them to move up in this current draft and, and get some players because uh, they're chips to be used. You know, it's, it's capital that you can ship off then. And it never hurts to have too many pieces. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So let's talk these trade calculators. Here's my only beef with trade calculators. (laughs) I love them as a reference point. And Mm -hmm. I think people should use them as exactly that. Use them as a reference point because there's a lot of data that goes into those. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of work that goes into those. If you find one that you trust, understand that the people running them have, have... uh, a, a lot of information backing that up. It's never random. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> also understand that not everybody values a player the same way. Yep. Each and league so, is different. Yeah. And, and each owner is different. And so you should never say to your trade partner, the trade calculator says that this is fair. So, you yeah, know, you're I don't care. reasonable. Yeah, right. I don't care. I don't think it's fair, so I'm not going to accept this trade. I don't care what your trade calculator says. <laughs> exactly. You should never just come back and say that as a means to kind of bully them into accepting your trade mm-hmm. because this chart says that this is fair. Well, motherfucker, this league is not run on charts. This is run on people making these decisions. Mm-hmm. And... Yes, so if if I'm higher on a guy than consensus or if I'm lower on a guy than consensus, I'm not going to be swayed by a trade calculator. Mm -hmm. Now, where I think it can be useful, though, to tell somebody what the trade calculator says is to come out of the gate and just say, hey, I I don't know what this looks like to you, but I ran it through my favorite trade calculator, and I think that it's pretty fair. So, And and if you want to screen cap it just to say, Mm -hmm. like, I'm not crazy here. At least other people view this the same way I do. Right. That's a good entry point. I have no issue with that. Yeah, I like to use it as a jumping off point because, you know, as we said a little bit earlier, I don't want to be that asshole that that offers terrible trades. So I'll usually run it through one or two. Um, I I use a I I like to reference a couple different ones. And, And just to make sure I'm in the ballpark. I mean, it may be lower, it may be higher, but at least at least I want to know that the value is, is close and it's going to be a good starting point to make the trade. Uh, cause, cause the first offer is not necessarily my final offer. When I make trades, I'm always willing to negotiate back and forth if need be. Um, so yeah, I use trade calculators just to make sure I'm not just out of my fucking mind. Cause sometimes, well, sometimes they're, you know, if you're going for like a second or third tier player for some reason, or maybe a, a second year wide receiver that, you know, like Nikhil Harry, what is his true value or how are people seeing him? Uh, you know, he was really high last year coming out of the draft. Well, 
maybe I don't have a good handle on that. So I'd run it through the trade calculator just to make sure I'm in the right ballpark, you know, and, and then use that as a jumping off point and moving forward. I love that. I, I really love that because it is, again, this is all, we're just people. We're just human mm-hmm. goddamn beings trying to make this thing work. And people do have such crazy different values on specific players that it is just nice to have some frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether that's theirs or not, you know, they'll, they'll tell you, but like, it's nice to start off on that foot. Yeah. As opposed to just coming out of it with what seems like a left field offer, maybe to the other person. Um, so speaking of which, I just want to run this by you. So I, I sent out this trade today okay. in, in my league. Uh, and what I will say is my favorite dynasty league, even although that far. it's the chicks versus dicks dynasty league. On nice. Sleeper. Uh, I proposed this trade to Matthew Betts, and yes, I'm going to name him by name. He has he has not said a bad word about this trade, so I feel like he'll be fine with this. But All right. I I want Allen Robinson this year, and this is just me acknowledging that I was off him last year, and I look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> so now I'm coming in to try and get him. But I I am looking to send him. Speaking about what positional needs are and all that. He has CMC for a running back, but he does not have depth. Okay. So for his Allen Robinson, I'm going to send Melvin Gordon. I'm going to send uh, two second round picks. And I'm going to give him, because I know he's an Eagles fan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send him that little extra. I'm going to give him J.J. Arstega white side. You're, you're, you're Matthew. Okay. Mm-hmm. You're the Eagles fan here. You get that trade. Do you immediately go, fuck this guy? Or do you say, huh, I'm considering. Are, are the draft picks in this year's rookie draft? They are next year's. Next year's. Picks. So Correct. two seconds for next year. Yep. With Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. And so J.J. Arcega. Who's time chair mm-hmm. in Denver? Uh, I don't hate it. I, I, I just off the top of my head, I think that's pretty fair because uh, Melvin Gordon, while we think he's going to be in a timeshare, he could end up owning the entire backfield and be a, a, a running back one. Uh, he could. Uh, he has that upside potential. Uh, His I'm not, ADP is currently suggesting that's a real possibility. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's what it's going to be, uh, mm-hmm. but but the potential is there. I personally don't think they're going to run that backfield that way, but um, sure. but the possibility is definitely there. Two seconds, I mean, that's not awful. And then uh, our Sega Whiteside, a lot of people were very high on him. He was going in the late first, early second of most drafts last year, so um, I don't hate it. Uh, yeah, without right. without knowing the rest of the teams, or, you know, uh, rosters, I should say, uh, uh-huh. I don't know which way I would lean, but I mean, it's it's a. I feel like it's a fairly even trade. See, that's all I want to hear. That's all I want to hear is that yes, this is uh, fair because again, this just speaks to when you or I get a trade offer, it's different than someone else might get it. Mm-hmm. But we consult fairly often on these trade offers that we get, and we said we'll, we'll text each other constantly. We go, mm-hmm. hey. You know, this is what I'm thinking of it. What are you thinking when you see this, though? And mm-hmm. yes, sometimes it's just to say what kind of a batshit offer we got. Oh, yeah. Anyway. But sometimes it's a genuine 
third party. I just want somebody yeah. to come in and say, make I, sure I'm not crazy. <laughs> that, that's all dynasty football really is. If we've hammered home any point here, I think it's just, we need somebody to tell us that we're not mm-hmm. fucking crazy for thinking the way that we are. Yeah. So follow up question with this trade. What uh-huh. other wide receivers does he have? Do you know off the top of your head? I, I in fact can pull it up right now. So I'm, I'm wondering if that um, if that depletes his wide receiver core because that would make a difference. Like if that's going to deplete my wide receiver core, and say Allen Robinson was my number one, then that might sway me the other way. So that's fair. Now again, based on where we are in the off season, I tend not to think about those things as much as the average bear. So that's very much worth considering. When I look at his roster, the first thing that I saw when I made this offer is, hey, he's got Tyler Lockett, he's got Cooper Cup. Okay. So I feel like right there, I, I'm not out of bounds no. in asking for this. No, all right, yeah. It was just a thought I had as we were going through this here. And, and to be curious. fair, so behind that, he has Terry McLaurin, so very promising mm-hmm. rookie, obviously. Uh, but once you get beyond him, it does get a little dicey. I'll, I'll admit there. So... Maybe from his perspective, he'd say, ooh, boy, I don't want to sacrifice any wide receiver depth. Mm-hmm. And acknowledging that the league, in our league that we're in, we have to start at least three wide receivers. Right. So that does make a difference. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I still don't so, hate again, it, but oh. it, it, it depends on your comfort level of, of how your roster construction is, really. Mm-hmm. And I'm fully trying to go zero RB in this league. Nice. Up until the season starts. Fuck it. I'm, I'm embracing that. Nice. All right. Should we move on to uh, rookie drafts? Absolutely. All right. So I like to attack rookie drafts basically just going for best player available. I don't care what my needs are on my roster. Um, you know, I'll, I'll limit this to maybe the first two rounds. In the first two rounds, I will draft best player available regardless of my positional need just because you can always trade that player later and you can never have too many good players on your team Um, unless unless you know say you have a running back and a wide receiver that are in the same tier they're they're very close then yeah I would it might give the edge to to the positional need but typically I just do best player available when you get into the third fourth and if you have fifth round of, of rookie drafts then just get your guy. Get whatever guy that you like, whoever you think has the best upside, who's going to make the biggest impact. Just go get your guys from the third round on because really those are just total dart throws at that point. Can I even offer an alternative to that? You can offer. (laughs) You don't have to agree (laughs) with it. Uh, You can tell me that I'm a dick face uh, for the tenth time today, but, uh, (laughs) but I typically in rookie drafts, my, my whole thing, so again, for the uninitiated, if you really don't understand this process, it's that uh, you will draft your main team for Dynasty, and then every year you'll typically have a four-round rookie draft uh, where you can go get the new guys every year. And then you have to make your adjustments. You have to drop guys to make sure that you can fit the rookies, etc. But on a rookie draft, uh, I 100% agree. I'm not drafting for need there. Um, just as your favorite NFL team should not 
always do that. And as Packer fans, we have to sometimes remember that a little harsher than, than others. Yes, we do. Um, but, but also, I am so willing to give up those third and fourth round picks when I'm on the clock. It's, it's really easy in your own head, I think, to say you have your own guys. You know mm-hmm. who you want. And going into the draft, you understand that. And when you get on the clock, there is always, at least for me, there's always the want. I want to draft somebody. Mm-hmm. I want to look at this round, and I want to see that, oh, my, my guy's still there. Fucking yes. Like, let's go Let's go get him. He's obviously going to be a wide receiver one, running back one, quarterback one. You know, these people just don't get it. And so there's always that thought in the back of your head when you're drafting that you're, you're outsmarting everybody. But everybody in your draft is probably thinking that way. Mm-hmm. So when I'm on the clock, I am very willing to not only listen to offers, but I will say flat out, send me your best offer for this pick right now. You know, I don't want to be the guy who's also taking up the eight-hour clock. Oh, well, yeah. Pick. Mm-hmm. I hate that guy. Uh, yeah, I do but, that too. In my most recent rookie draft, I – um, I said, Hey, I'm willing to move out of this pick. I'll, uh, I'll leave it open for an hour send me your offers. And if I don't get anything or nothing that I like, I'll take the pick, you know, cause I don't yeah. want to extend that out there, but I'm at least letting people know like, Hey, I'm willing to do- wheel and deal here. Let's do something. That's the thing. And people always assume, you know, if it's before the draft, they might not think that that guy is going to fall to that mm-hmm. spot the draft but all of a sudden that pick comes up and their guy is still there that pick now has so much more value than it ever did in the offseason than it did the day before the draft happened and so if i can turn that pick even if i have a guy in mind that i want i'm going to turn that pick into a proven commodity if i can uh and i'll let them come with it i'm not going to send it out to everybody i'm not going to send out a pick trade to every person that right. saying, you know, come get this guy, but I'm going to float it out there, and somebody's naturally going to come around sniffing for it because they have the guy that they can't believe is on the clock, and oftentimes you get the better veteran value out of that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Alright. Do you have any pet peeves for <laughs> Dynasty <laughs> Leagues? <laughs> I feel like I already aired a lot of my pet peeves about Dynasty. Uh, yeah, besides the trade calculator situation, let's get, you know what? Let's go a full, uh, in honor of the legendary Jerry Stiller, uh, the, the eldest Costanza from Seinfeld, let's air some grievances. Yes. Let's do it. Let's air some grievances about Dynasty. Uh, I, I really, aside from the trade calculator thing, the only real grievance that I have is plainly inactive owners Mm -hmm. like you're not even trying not only are you not responding to trade offers but you're not uh sniffing the waiver wire at all you're not in the group chat you're you're not putting people on the trade block you're Mm -hmm. not doing anything you're not changing your team name to something funny you thought of the other day you're just checked out um and some people do that some people join a dynasty league and they think still this league only runs from the, the first snap of the NFL to the last snap of the NFL season. Mm-hmm. And that's so not the case. So those are my only issues. It's like, I want to be in a league that has people active year-round. 
And whatever that looks like, whatever activity looks like to you, that might not always be trade offers 24-7. Right. But something. Something to let us know mm-hmm. you're there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, inactive owners just, it's just doesn't make the league as fun. I mean, there's, uh, in one of my leagues, there's a guy I've made multiple trades with over, like, the four years I've been in the league. Uh, just because we're both active and, and like to make trades. Like, uh, yep. yeah, and, and that's what makes it fun. And if you have a bunch of guys and gals that, that are in the league, that just makes it that much more enjoyable. Um, I have a couple pet peeves. Uh, one we've already talked about, just making shitty trades. It's like, come on, just put a little effort in. You don't have to win every single trade. Uh, and, 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 and this is, and we kind of talked about this before, uh, before we started recording, but there's, I hate it when you've made it clear that you're not interested in a specific player and it keeps getting offered to you in multiple trades. Like obviously that person, the other owner is trying to unload this player. Um, so they keep thinking if they, they do it, they keep offering different guys and different combinations that it's finally going to happen. Um, just take a hint, just take a hint, step back and say, okay, I'll try a different owner, or maybe he has already, and I don't know that, and uh, I'm the only one that's responding to his trades. Who knows? Sometimes <laughs> with that, too, I think the issue is almost like keep track of the trades that you're sending. Mm-hmm. Spam out trades constantly, and they don't remember who said what to what trade. Mm-hmm. And so, dude, you literally offered this exact same trade three times now. So, yes, please be diligent and cognizant of who you're sending the trades to. Yeah, and the other thing that I, it's kind of a minor pet peeve, and I get things come up, life happens, uh, is just people that let the trades expire after whatever the seven-day time or whatever is there. It's like, I get, we all get busy, things happen, you have personal stuff going on, I appreciate that, but more time, more times than not, you don't really have that hectic of a life going on, I would hope. Uh <laughs> So, so respond to the trade offers and do it timely. Don't wait until the you know 23rd hour and then finally be like, I will decline this trade. You know, I understand sleeping on it for a day, maybe two. That's fine. You want to give it some thought. Uh, but you should know pretty much right away if this is a trade you're going to accept or decline. And just do that. Don't leave the guy hanging out there and just leave a trade just, like I said, expire after the timer. Because that's just baloney. Or at least let the other person know. Yeah, like, hey, I'm, I'm considering this. You know, if it's been a, a day or two and mm-hmm. you still don't have a firm answer because you're just really tossing and turning over this trade, at least let them know. Or or send a message and say, hey, I saw your trade. I've been super busy. Sorry I haven't had a chance to really take a look at it and respond. I will. You know, just a little communication is all. Agreed. Fully agreed. Well, we aired our grievances. I feel mm-hmm. better. Do you feel better? I do. do feel I feel lighter. lighter. <laughs> I have so much weight off my shoulders. I only hope that everybody we're in a league with has is now listening to this episode. And That's right. Right? Yes, if absolutely. Not, then at least we can imagine in our heads that they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For a short term, at least. That's right. So do you have any last thoughts here about uh, Dynasty teams, rosters, construction, etc., etc.? You know, the only thing I want to say is, like, uh, make your dynasty team your own because it is not just for a year. Mm -hmm. In a redraft, I can live with 
missing out on guys that I was higher on than consensus a little bit more than I can in dynasty. You know, if I fall into the trap of just drafting based off of ADP as opposed to my own gut, which I still try and avoid in redraft, uh, but if I do that in redraft, at least I think, well, it's only a year I have next year. That's right. Sure, you can make trades and you can adjust your roster, but the decisions that you make, you have to live with for a lot longer. So it's all that more important to really go based off your own data, Mm -hmm. your own thoughts, uh, and get your guys. And that's what will make it more fun in the end. Yep. All right, folks. Well, that will wrap it up for this week's episode. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. Find us on pretty much any podcast app software that's out there. Tell your friends, have them subscribe, download, listen to us. We think we're great. If you're listening, obviously you think we're great as well. So thank you very much for that. And you can find all of our great fantasy content on the Twitter machine at Drinking Fantasy as the podcast. Uh, We're putting out tweets all the time. Great content. Retweeting things. If you have trade polls, uh, tag us in it. We will retweet it uh, and get it out there for you. And you can find me at FFDustyDog on Twitter. You can find me at Jay Trowbridge. And never hesitate to hit us up on our personal Twitter accounts. If you've got questions, you want to hop in our DMs, we're both more than happy to, to talk about that. That's right. Absolutely. And until next time, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Oh.